the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. Yes, indeed, and I'm uh, pinching myself for another day that the Lord has made and allowed me to be a part of it, and I'm trusting that that is the case for you, too. I want to welcome you to our Monday edition of Lifeline, your host, Jesse Gistan, looking out the window of my office in this COVID uh, social distancing uh, cover for shelter mode, and I'm glad Uh, that God has granted us the kind of technology where we can come together around a microphone and some speakers and talk about things that matter. So again, I want to welcome you to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Gorgeous day out there. Wonderful day. Beautiful day. I I do. I really do thank God for waking up to largely a sunny day. It starts off a little bit uh, cloudy in the morning, fog everywhere coming up from the coast that, uh, that generally is what occurs around July and August. But shortly after about 9 a.m. in the morning, it starts to clear out and the sun begins to emerge and uh, and the warmth begins to uh, blanket um, our, our, our area, our atmosphere. And we, we begin to positively benefit from the DNA that uh, permeates our skin. And, and I'm so thankful for that. I hope you are as well. I heard an absolutely stunning conversation earlier. It was basically a dialogue between uh, Dennis Prager and uh, Jordan B. Peterson, both very sharp, intellectually astute men uh, uh, given to careers of, of deep analytical thought and, uh, and, and proper understanding of worldviews. And, and uh, basically their conversation was about how much of our present day, our present culture, is trapped by a kind of pessimism that fundamentally, fundamentally blinds them to all the goodness that God has actually permitted Americans to enjoy for several hundreds of years. And it was just, it was just astounding to listen to these two men talk through what they had experienced both as college students and then also professors, because that's the case, at least for Jordan B. Peterson, that where we are in our present life, in our present culture, in our world today, really amounts to what Romans 1 says, uh, that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. And the overarching assessment of uh, of both Perger and uh, Peterson is that the present movement, the present angst, the present grievance society, the present Black Lives Matter movement, the uh, present social justice agenda that's dominating our world largely constitutes two kinds of people, really two, one person with two, two prominent characteristics. The dominant characteristic that basically frames and expresses what's going on is a lack of thankfulness and childishness. They both affirm that, that what they recognize with even uh, professors and scholars in, in, in the colleges and universities, which basically is uh, babysitting and incubating a culture of discontentment, a culture of uh, of, uh, of grievance, as I've already stated, is uh, is a culture of men and women who have been so skewed, so blinded, so distorted when it comes to the facts of what's going on in our world and what has been going on, quite frankly, more holistically and more uh, more objectively in terms of God's blessings in our life. Now, you can choose if you want to, if you're not trapped 
by levels of bias and prejudice that uh, that, if you will, can uh, can 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 deprive you of the blessings of God. David looked out upon the earth and David says the whole earth is filled with the mercy of the Lord. But my friends and, and brothers and sisters out there, that's a worldview. That, when you see something like that, what David is talking about in the Psalms, the whole earth is filled with the mercy of the Lord. He's talking about how to see the world from the standpoint of God's handiwork, God's presence, God's providence, and God's blessings in our world. And when you take that kind of worldview that David is emitting in the Psalms and and you you put it over against the present narrative that's dominating everything in America— what you see are two different kinds of lenses, two different kinds of prisms, two different kinds of interpretation. One is very, very pessimistic and driven by a kind of deep narcissistic uh, adolescence, if you will, childishness that does not at all represent the reality of things that are present. And it's given over to a kind of tantrum to tear everything down simply because it is pessimistic. And what's so absolutely, again, uh, uh, fascinating to me about their assessment about our present nation and Europe and, and other smaller areas around the world with this present narrative of systemic racism and, and, and oppression and, 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 and uh, just, you know, grievance as if nothing has changed for the last 200, 300 years. What's interesting about that narrative is if you were to go back and look up Karl Marx and just do a small historiography of the man, you will recognize that he lived a life of utter indolence, ingratitude, hatred of God. And he was just maladjusted when it comes to working and functioning and paying the bills and raising his kids. He was such a derelict. But he was given over to a kind of aversion to reality based upon his own assessment of how brilliant he was. Uh, and he spent most of his life pil pilfering off of other people, taking their money, taking their resources. He didn't hardly contribute at all to the economic advancement of society. He, he wasted his own parents' money. He wasted his wife's parents' money. He was very derelict. He is such a model, such a model of people today that do not know how to recognize the blessings of God the Father upon us in terms of what he has given us. And what I would say to you who are listening to me is don't buy that narrative. That is not a way to honor God. It is not the way to honor God. When you hear these people complaining as if they still have the chains shackled around their legs and their arms, and, and, and when even you hear the more intellectual ones on the left, whether it's Michael Eric Dyson or, or Cornell West or others, certainly those who are deeply involved in the present per, uh, perpetuation of this false narrative, it's just... It's so sad because it's a lie. It's such a distortion of the facts. Look, we know legitimately there are all kinds of evils in our world. We know there is massive brokenness. The gospel clearly lays this out. We know that there is discrimination. We know that there are levels of uh, cronyism and and and. Uh, and, and hierarchical opportunities that are given to some people groups over other people groups. But we also know that there has been massive blessings given to us at such levels that God, who has ordained and overlooked all of this present evil and, and injustice and brokenness in our society, he has plainly told us to count our blessings to walk in a way of the gospel truth, to understand that our mission is redemptive, our mission is gospel and evangelically oriented. It's really a call to men and women to look to God, not to politics, look to God, not to movements, look to God, not to Marxist ideological um, assumptions about a kind of utopian state that they'll bring about if they can actually manage it. And, you know, to that point, let me say this as we continue to shred the darkness so that light can penetrate for men and women who are still not getting what's going on. I, I really rejoice in the uh, 
and the free thinking of men and women who are liberated by Christ. Here's another free thinking individual. He's liberated by Jesus Christ. He's centered uh, on Christ, and he's a hardworking African-American athlete. And he lets the world know that he does not engage in the virtue signaling uh, lockstep mandate with his teammates of bowing down to the flag or, or any of that kind of stuff, that his virtue, his virtue, his integrity, his love for human beings, his, his concern for the matters of black lives do not require him to kind of, if you will, virtue signal. That's a, he's operating out of a different virtue signal. Now, who am I talking about? Magics, the NBA team, Magic, um, it's the uh, Orlando Magics, Jonathan Isaac, explaining why he didn't take a knee or wear a Black Lives Matter shirt on Friday in one of their, I guess, uh, closed uh, to <laughs> closed to patrons uh, basketball game. This young man made it very clear. I love the way he put it. He, he, you know, everybody's wondering why he didn't do it. Why is he? standing up? Why is he standing out? Why is he not kneeling down? Why is he not doing what everybody else does? And he, he made it clear. He says, um, I believe that Black Lives Matter a lot went into my decision. And, and part of it is I thought that kneeling or wearing the Black Lives Matter t-shirt doesn't go hand in hand with supporting black lives. He's so right about that statement. I mean, if you just took that statement and begin to unpack it in terms of the emptiness of virtue signaling versus actually being concerned about all lives and in particular black lives, what he's saying is there are so many things to be done to affirm the significance of black lives that does not re require you to put on the red shirt and become part of Mao's, you know, uh, Mao's uh, uh, secret service or to bow down and become part of this movement, which Mr. Jonathan Isaac knows very well that they are wrapped up in all kind of other notorious evils for which his faith in Christ will not allow him to be such an hypocrite. Here's what he says. He says, it doesn't go hand in hand with supporting black lives. So I felt like just me personally, and I'm going to talk about the importance of individuation, the individual versus the collective versus versus the, the group thing versus identity politics, because that is the radical difference between the gospel the grace of God, the true and the living God, and a Marxist system of collectives. You lose your identity when you're part of the Marxist socialist agenda. When you are in Christ, when you know the word of God, when you understand a biblical worldview, your personhood and individual status requires you to operate out of a different set of uh, principles. It doesn't mean that you don't understand the larger group association, such as being part of the church. But it, what it really does is refer to your necessity to understand individuation, autonomy, and the self-expression of biblical reality independent of what the rest are doing, particularly when you believe and you know the rest are wrong. This is exactly what God meant when he says, you shall not follow a multitude to do evil. So he says, I felt like, just me personally, what is it that I believe is taking on a stance that um, I do believe that black lives matter, but I just felt like it was a decision that uh, I had to make. And I didn't feel like putting that shirt on and kneeling uh, uh, and, and went ha that it both went hand in hand with supporting black lives. I believe that for myself, my life has been supported by the gospel of Jesus Christ and everyone is made in the Imago Day, and that we all forged through God's glory, forged to or forged through God's glory. He was a little bit nervous, if you could tell in the interview, kept his mask on so he couldn't talk real clearly. He says, each and every one of us do things that we shouldn't do, say things that we shouldn't say. We hate and dislike things that we shouldn't hate and dislike. And sometimes it gets to the point where we point fingers. He's doing the best he can to demonstrate the weakness in this self-righteous system. He says we point fingers whose evil is worse. And sometimes it comes down to whose evil is the most visible. So I felt like I wanted to take a stand on uh, 
you know, on we, we all make mistakes. That's his stand. We all make mistakes. But I think that the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's, that's their grace for us, and that Jesus came and died for our sins, and that if we all come to an understanding of that, and that God wants to have a relationship with us, that we can, we can get kept all of the things in our world that our messed up, jacked up lives are engaged in. I think when you look around, racism isn't the only thing that plagues our society, that plagues our nation, that plagues our world. And I think coming together on that message that we want to get past, not only racism, did you hear what he said? Get past it. But everything that plagues us as a society, I feel like the answer is in the gospel. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that is called a calculated choice. And that is Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And if you don't know your Bible deep enough, is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is Daniel in the lion's den. And this is how the Spirit of God separates the sheep from the goats. Be sure of it. Be sure of it. This young man is a minister of the gospel, as already is stated. And he will, he, he with the, this honor, uh, he'll suffer for this. There's no doubt about it as all have in the past who took their faith seriously. See, now, you know what I love about him? I'm going to tell you now. He hasn't been in the NBA that long. He hasn't been in there in a sense of having the kind of tenure that, uh, that you know, makes him comfortable enough to stand on his, on his uh, two feet and say what he says. He could be out the league tomorrow, but if he really does have the incorruptible seed of the gospel in him. Listen carefully to me, ladies and gentlemen. He will be all right. He will be one of the ones on the last day where God in Christ will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Do you know why? Because he's standing over against this wicked, diabolical Marxism that is coming in the Trojan horse of social injustice, and he knows it's a lie. And yet he's trying to, 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 to demonstrate it in the most passive way possible, but they're going to continue coming after him. And if he were to collapse, he'll then start changing his views, much like Stephen Curry did and a few others, except Iggy. Iguodala made it very plain last week. You see what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? A perpetual breakdown, both on the inside of that community as well as on the outside, because of the nature of the system. It's self-contradicting. It doesn't honor God in the least bit, and it's a lie. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I've got four lines open, wide open, one 367 So much to talk about. I'm glad to be alive in Christ. I'm glad to be in my right mind. I'm glad to be sound in the faith and sound in the word of God. I'm so glad to be on the right side of history. one 367 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline with your host, Jesse Gistan. Just excited, glad to be in the house with you. I've got four lines open if you want to call, one 367 one I opened up talking about the uh, standalone principle. I, Sunday school is what comes to mind. And what does that say? Sunday school... Uh, have the Bible lessons that we teach our children as we are kind of helping them frame a biblical worldview, how how God created the world and how sometimes you got to dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone. And, and in this time and in this era with this kind of movement taking place, uh, it's, it's, it's easy for a person who is not clear on who they are to kind of get swept up in the movement. But the Lord Jesus Christ and John the Baptist and all the prophets and, and many, many of the saints making their way through history, swimming against the tide of culture, clearly demonstrated uh, the kind of Daniel principle of standing alone in spite of what was going on in our culture. And I, I'll tell you, uh, this young man uh, is remarkable because we didn't know him before. Now we do. He has an opportunity by virtue of what he's doing. If he can hang in, in there, if he can continue pressing down the path of humility, hard work, 
if uh, if the basketball league, if the if the NBA is not just so absolutely corrupted now by the leaven of uh, social injustice, uh, he he will have an opportunity every time he plays and does well. He's coming back from an ACL, I think, injury, and he is a remarkably gifted. And so, yeah, we want to pray for Jonathan Isaac that he will continue to do what a lot of professional athletes have done in baseball, basketball, football, and others stand up for what they know is an absolute lie and the need to uh, to distance themselves from a movement that really is designed with utterly destroying life as we know it in, in America. And, you know, I would hear from people from time to time, and they would, they would dare to say that we're not dealing with a kind of uh, Marxist socialist agenda. How naive is that? The fundamental framework is Marxist. You can't deny the oppressor, oppressed paradigm that Marx laid out. His was directed fundamentally at the economic structures that produce that oppression, but his narrative nonetheless, not only his manifesto, but his confession of faith, they all are filled with the agenda of tearing down the power base. And if you will, creating a system of equity, but it would be based upon the state ruling and the state governing. So, ladies and gentlemen, listen very carefully what you hear in terms of the demands of Black Lives Matter and the social justice movement that has already made its way almost uh, all the way up the ranks of politics in America. It's total state control. Total government control. Will you please take a little time and examine the Marxist agenda and then examine the Black Lives Matter and then examine what you see taking place in terms of this kind of Mao Zedong method of educating the people. This is re-education camp going on in the schools, the elementary schools, the middle schools, the high schools, and certainly the colleges that are pumping out these ideologues who are nothing but shillings for a power move for Marx. And many of those in the movement who have already avowed that they are Marxist, they're not hiding it. Only the ignorant people that are getting involved in the movement don't know it. They are clear. Their whole goal is power. They want power. They want to take over. They want to be God now. They want to reshape the world, change the narrative. They are postmodern in their thinking. And so, yeah, they want to take the opportunity now that, as they have stated it, the white man had all these hundreds of years to be able to do what he wants to. We want to now shape the narrative. We want to create a new reality. We want to uh, change the way things are. And, and this is where the, the, the power dynamic of words are coming in. They are, as I stated, postmodern. So they believe in relativism and subjectivism. They believe that they can frame reality by what they say and what they do. And if that's not your typical empty, shallow word of faith doctrine, I don't know what is speaking things into existence as if you're God. But see, Marx believed that. He believed that he was God. He said God is the opiate religion, is the opiate of the people. And once that religion is gone, we can enter into reality. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, the reality of that kind of fiendish thinking is hell. The nation that forgets God will be turned into hell. There's no doubt, no doubt about it. Um, so we need to we need to be very clear on what's going on. And the only thing that you really can do when you understand the truth, as do I and many others, is to oppose it. Stand up and speak out while you have some freedom. Because I'll tell you, if we end up having a one-party system and it's dominated by this kind of Marxist socialism, you can be sure, be very sure that uh, you you won't have the same privileges that you do today. You just won't. They'll change. You won't get to do like Jonathan Isaac, stand up for Jesus and say to the whole world, uh, I'm, I believe that grace is the answer. You won't because the gospel and the word of God in a biblical worldview is systematically being challenged and, uh, and uh, viewed as hate speech around the nation and the world. Uh, so listen, that's a that's a beautiful concept. I'm ready to talk. There are two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I was reading a book by Albert Moeller recently called The Coming Storm. And I'll tell you, he pegged where we are uh, on the nail. He hit the nail on the head. I'll be talking about the 
uh, passive and active secularization of our country when I come back from my break. If you want to continue learning, listening, I, I would encourage you. But I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have to you're going to have to ask yourself where you stand, because uh, this movement is is from God. It's definitely part of his judgment on humanity for uh, for spurning. Uh, the witness uh, of, of the gospel. It's been incremental for the last 60 years, but it's here now and it will not just disappear. That's not going to happen. It's way too deeply entrenched. This is a time for a dividing of the cultures and people standing on one side and the other on the other side and, uh, and dealing with it as wisely, as civilly as possible. But it's time to debate. I mean, vigorous, uh, full frontal, forum-like debates, because that's the only way we're going to handle this apart from what is the next stage and strategy of the Marxist system, and that is, listen carefully to me, civil war. They want civil war. You better know it. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, when God is not in the equation, natural man must fill that vacuum with his own demonic ideology. Don't you know that? When God is not in the equation, natural man must fill that vacuum with his own ideology. And this is why your churches have fallen apart for several decades now, buying into liberal theology where God really is not on the throne. And the word of God is not the mandate by which we live. We played games with God's word, cherry pick verses to dance around in the play church. But here comes a real powerful antichrist entity and people are collapsing under it in the name of racism. How weak. How pathetic. I've got one line open, one 367 Love to hear from some of you newer listeners. If you don't mind, I'm going to take a break. We're going to pay some bills. And when we come back, we'll take up your phone calls and more thoughts with your host, Jesse Giston. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we are back. This is uh, your host, Jesse Gistin, is 541, worked out our bugs, and let's go to line number one and talk with Melanie from Oakland. Melanie, are you there? Yes. Uh, hi, hi. Jesse. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. What's your thoughts or comments today? My thoughts on, I uh, was listening to what you were saying in terms of this young man uh, standing up for righteous sake. This is what God is looking for. He's looking for people like uh, this young man that's going to stand up and uh, stand up for right sake, no matter what the persecution may come from it. And even if he doesn't, if he loses out tomorrow with the NBA, God's got a bigger plan. I agree. I agree. And, and you are uh, aware that, um, uh, Melanie, that, that really is frequently how God works. I mean, a lot of Christians yep. are operating out of a kind of a default mechanism that once you get yep. saved, you know, God simply blesses you. You don't have any trouble, troubles or trials. But believers are first and foremost witnesses for God's glory. And what that means is he's going to intentionally put us in situations where yes. we have to stand up for him. Yes. Yes, because he stood up for us, and so yes. we, in turn, if we're true believers, are going to get persecuted. So get ready for it and fight. Yep. And do I what agree. God has to do, because it's for his honor and his glory. And any time that we can glorify God, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So know? tell me something. How do you reconcile? I mean, give me a little bit more of a kind of framework for you, Melanie. Is this your first time calling? No, I've called before. Okay, great. Uh, give me a little bit a larger of a, of a context for me in terms of your view of what's going on. He did something salient, because like a lot of times we can stand up in situations that don't really have hot button issues. It was Martin Luther who said, if the minister of the gospel, which is that, that's my calling, if the minister of the gospel screams and yells and shouts and cries on any other ground than the frontline issues of the day that threaten the glory of God and the gospel, he is not a minister of the gospel. He is not doing his job. And I only say that to say this, 
there are a lot of people who can be believers and they can, you know, they can make their, their noise here and there in areas where it really doesn't amount to any sacrifice. But unless mm-hmm. we are dealing mm-hmm. with telling the truth in areas where mm-hmm. we really know mm-hmm. the gospel is at stake, the word of God is at stake, mm-hmm. the uh, kingdom of God is at stake, then we're not mm-hmm. really bearing witness. What do you think? I agree with that because, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ sacrificed his life for us. And if we're going to stand in his image, then we are going to get persecuted and we need to be ready for it. However, it happens. And I'm totally for it because I've been persecuted on several occasions and I've stood my ground and I will not back down on anything uh, in the world. I stand for Jesus. Yep, yep. Tell me, how do you see... How do you see the present movement? I mean, if you've been listening to me, you know that I'm openly and publicly explaining these things, setting forth the weaknesses of these arguments and the, and the folly of this agenda. How do you see these things? What what's going on in your mind, Melody? That uh, that that you know the vast majority of people are collapsing up under the pressure of a movement like this. How do you see this? What 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 is it? What's wrong with with the social justice movement or Black Lives Matter and your assessment after now, you know, several years, at least since 2014. They've been around since uh, the killing of Michael Brown, and uh, they're making all kind of noise, and and there's enough data out there for everybody to really know what they're up to if they want to know. So so how would you say you assess this whole movement? What what is it about for you? How I assess it is that this is a spiritual warfare, and at this date and time and moment, you need to choose who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the world? Are you going to serve Jesus? And because of all this chaos that's going on, this is all part of the prophecy. And so because of it being all part of the prophecy, then believers need to understand, believers need to believe, believers need to watch and pray and see how this is all manifesting and know that you need to get on the right side because there's a lot that's going on and this is just the beginning as it says in matthew 24 this is just the beginning there's a whole lot more that's going to come and so we need to be ready no no doubt about that you got that very you got that very well listen thanks for calling and chiming in and affirming our young brother i you know what i appreciate about him i don't know if you saw him but he's just a young brother you know and mom and daddy probably taught him right he has his uh minister's license and and so you know he's actually taking the christ within him he's not hiding it under a bushel he put it out there i mean to stand up while they all kneel, is the same thing that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did when Nebuchadnezzar says, unless you bow down before the golden image, you're going to be cast into the fiery furnace. It's such an equivalency there. Uh, he's a, he's remarkable right now, so we want to pray him through, pray you through too. Are you a native of, of the Bay Area? Did I lose Melanie? I probably did. All right, let me go to line number two and talk with Misty in San Francisco. We've got two lines open, by the way, one 367 5329 right, we just got one sister that stood up for righteousness. All right, Misty, what's going on with you today on this wonderful Monday, let's see, um, uh, August 3rd, 2020? What's going on with you? Well, what we got, we still got madness. I just came out of a store so I could talk to you. Mm-hmm. We are madness down here on the front lines, and what we got is exactly what you're talking about, which is what I brought up many, many months ago when we started having our, um, you know, our presidential debate yep. and problems, yep. and who was right, left started. or right, left or right, and some of the left thought, well, you know, you know, you know, this is this, this is well, you know what, it's become very apparent mm-hmm. that we got what we have out here is we have demons. We have demon activity going on. And I wanted to tell you one thing. It's very, 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 very crucial. And it's very, very interesting. If you take a look at some of the videos that are online right now about what's going on in Portland, what you see is dead eyes, spirits, darkness, uh, all kind of madness. And there's a particular man that went up there. He's a born-again Christian. He's a very, very... um, how do you say? He's one standing in the wilderness. And he went in to bring the Word of God in there. And when you watch this video, 
your heart, your soul, and your mind will spin out because the truth is right in front of you. You see all the darkness on the left, and you see the men proclaiming Christ, and his brother that he was with was even a black man, and they still attacked them and (laughs) reviled them out out of the place. But it is so awesome. Yeah, I wish I wish you God. knew the name of that particular uh, YouTube well, event. I'll I, probably I somebody will send it over. I do. No, I, I do. This is the thing. It is. It's unbelievable. And you know what? It also, I will tell you. It was you know it's kind of hard because you don't want to cross over everything and put everything out there sure. on the front. But this guy's sure. already on the front. And what you need to do is just to step in. And what I think we need to do is we need to pray. For not even in the in the middle of those moments where this guy goes in, we need to be praying as collectively to bring down strongholds in the skies, in the regions that are harvesting this whole hot load of stuff. Okay, his ministry is called Porch of Christ Ministry. Okay. And yeah, you watch the Portland video, Got and it. then the next day or next two days they were burning the Bible. So yeah. it's really intense. And uh, let me tell you, it, it, it it's amazing when you watch this video. No, I, I, I will. Um, I will because I'm very much interested in the development of what's going on in Portland because and Seattle, too. So we do know that there are a number of strongholds in in the United States, pockets where well, we've got the level of darkness we've is We've got controlled. New Orleans. We've got New York. We've got Detroit, Chicago. There's some strongholds. And it's Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Minneapolis but the thing too. Is, is when, when you when when you watch the thing about it, is it will reveal to people that haven't you know. I have the discernment to see these spirits long before I've seen them, but when you see them happening right there in front of you, it's astounding. And the courage in this man, and actually the sure. humility, but the sure. boldness is mind shattering. And I'd like to see some of the black men stand up for that because that's the thing is, those are the ones that are going to be able to get through to the people in this little deluded movement. No, I agree. Okay, I agree that I agree that that's gonna. I agree, and I and I pretty much know that that's gonna happen. I don't mean to be presumptuous, but what's happening is is a lot of us are praying, Misty, right now against principalities and uh-huh. powers. I'm actually teaching and and, and and prophesying this whole thing with the Book of Daniel and the Book of Revelation. That's where we are Amen. in God's providential schedule for me. But there are soldiers out there that are doing exactly what you are saying. They are going into the midst of these different uh, dens and actually speaking into it for the salvation of people well, well, who are one more uh, thing, I've been in. Uh, let me say one more thing. I've been in the dens, so to speak. I mean, they're, they're places where people who are not saved are. They're not right. uh, all bad people, but, you know, no, they believe no. that the other things that, you know, I think that a, a little marijuana is no big deal, and a lot of sex is no right. big deal, and an orgy is no big deal. But they may be great people, but the thing is, I've been petitioning over these people for decades and decades and waiting for this this um, this revival to happen, for some of them to come in. And the thing about it is now we really had a double twist happen to us because the whole Black Lives Movement was able to use that race card and twist it all up into a knot. Right. And but you know what, though? Point. Here's what I'm going to say cause before I go to a break. I was talking with uh-huh. some of my brothers. Here's what I'm saying. I think you'll agree. I was talking with yeah. some of my brothers. No, I was talking with, yeah, no, I was talking with a couple of my brothers because we know a lot of people that are on the streets and homeless and all of the different things that go on with that like you do. When the, when the revival starts to take place in the midst of the chaos, because that's what's going to happen, because that's how God uh-huh. works, he will, he will bring about a revival in the midst of the chaos, and guess what? There are going to be several substantial homeless people as part of that revival process because when chaos reaches a certain level where the average citizen does not know what to do, our homeless brothers and sisters will know what to do. They will play a major role in helping overcome the chaos that comes with this Marxist system. The thing is, is there's different hot spots, as you know, but God needs to reach. He's reaching into every single spot, and a lot of those are very defiant. It could be Buddhism, it could be Muslim, it could be um, universal spirits, it could be Satanism, paganism, witchcraft. It's all these different spots, and you're going to get some of these people that are on fire for that. You may only get one or two. You're going to get a remnant that's going to come out. That's all that ever comes out. 
Right. Well, no, that's all that ever comes out. I got to take a hard break. Thanks for the. I, I got to take a hard break. Got to pay some bills. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right. We are back. The time is 558 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line number four and talk with Nelson in Redwood City. Nelson, are you there? Nelson on line number four in Redwood City. Nelson, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. What's going on, man? What's your thoughts today? Yeah, well, first I want to say today is the one-year anniversary of the El Paso Walmart shooting where 21 Mexican-Americans were slaughtered. And, and personally, I think Trump's rhetoric had a lot to do with it. Um, well, okay, but, hold on for a second. Show me how this is a perfect classic um, uh, a case where... And an assertion is made, like you just did. Now, I'm not attacking you, but what I want to do is see if you are anti-intellectual at this moment or are you operating out of a principled logic. So somebody goes in and kills up a bunch of people in a Walmart. Um, who was the killer? Oh, you know what? That His name, I was looking at the story today. I just... He, he has all right, name all right. Just, so now that's yeah, that's yeah, first no. thing we want to do because you see what this here is part of the problem, Nelson. What you just did was part of the problem. This is called painting the narrative without sufficiently affirming your proposition. And of course, wait, the wait, narrative wait, is already wait, accepted. That, that, uh, hold on, hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. I'm gonna let you talk. I'm going to let you talk. I, I just wanted to capture this because it's such a sad reality. This is part of the postmodern uh, uh, fabrication of lies. This is called a false narrative framing based upon the, the benefit of so many people blaming Trump for all kinds of stuff. And this is part of my argument against the systemic racism argument. It's such an inflated proposition that one can't possibly assert it and be able to substantiate that proposition themselves. Anyone that comes to you, ladies and gentlemen, and say that our nation is systemically racist, the first thing you ask them is, show me the evidence. And when they can't, simply say, so you're just parroting off your empty-headedness on what somebody else has said, because it's, the assumption is it's true, okay? The assumption is it's true. We just condemn Trump for being the direct causation of a bunch of people being killed in Walmart. It's not that that's impossible. It's very possible, uh, 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 Nelson. But in my opinion, it's totally improbable. So I need you to develop the context because you opened up your statement. I mean, basically making the president a murderer. Please help me with this. You asked me what his name is. I was just saying I can't pronounce his name. And then you said all this thing about me. I hadn't even said anything except I don't can't pronounce the guy's name. That's all I'm okay, saying. But you made a statement that it, what he did was a direct okay. was in direct correlation to something that President Trump said or told him to do. Help me understand that. Trump's immigration invasion. Um, rhetoric. He he po he tweets those conspiracies there in the guy's um, manifesto. He even mentions Trump and says, "I agree with Trump, but I agree. I thought this way before Trump." He did say that, but but Trump is a, is saying the exact same things. That guy believes it, and Trump also retweeted the Pittsburgh synagogue. The same, not not his uh, the Pittsburgh synagogue's original tweet, but he that um, anti-Semitic. Um, immigration invasion um, conspiracy theory that that Jewish group was bringing in a caravan and they were um, bringing in um, terrorists. Trump did we retweet that, and then after the synagogue shooting, he um, he was saying the same garbage over and over again. I mean, Trump is a, little, is a white nationalist, and if people can't admit that, I mean, I don't want to hear what they have to say about communists and all this. Well, yes, you do, because, like, say, for instance, I wish we had an hour. It's okay to murder 11 well, Jewish people and well, hold on. I, Mexican Well, we're on, we're on case number two right now. So let's go back for a moment. 
because I, I appreciate you. You become a, 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 a you become a case study for my audience because you're all over the map, and I don't want you to do that because that's what no, no, I know no, you're no. not a liberal, but you're over the map, right? Because you quickly shifted from the the Walmart thing because this is just called dumping. You're stacking yeah, it, it the theory, argument the with several cases, and they only have relative Nelson. They only have relative correlation. You have not substantiated a direct causation between the president's terminology and rhetoric with that guy being, as it were, commanded by the president to do that. There, Everybody knows that you and I or anybody else can have uh, uh, similar views and opinions with somebody that goes out and does something. It does not mean that that individual woke up one day and said, President Trump told me to do this. So you really want to be careful about that because that can be played on both sides of the fence as well. I, we do know your view on, on the president. I, I, you know, I don't like the way that the president has run off at the mouth since the time he came into office, you know, in ways in which he, uh, is showing himself careless, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bear false witness against him. I would warn you. I would warn you. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't do that. Have you heard what Trump said about Mexicans? He said the Mexican judge could not um, um, could not litigate his case because he's of Mexican descent. And Paul Ryan said that's textbook um, racist to say someone can't do their job from the race. He said they're rapists. They're coming in. I mean, come on, Pastor Jesse. This now, is now listen. He, now, again, I, I would encourage you. That's yeah, Trump. And Trump is representing a lot of people in America that think like that on the other side of the equation. Your relatives and my relatives, they do the same exact thing. That's what I love about that young guy, Jonathan Isaac. He was saying that when he looks at and listens to everybody black and white. This uh, this notion that somehow white folks are are worse racist than black folks that's so wrong. Our black people have done the same thing from 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 time immemorial. We hear them using racist slurs and and discriminatory uh, uh, statements and comments in private and in public all the time. We we all live around that kind of garbage talk that's less than biblical, and so it, it goes both ways. I've seen it for decades outside of the church and in the church. And this is what that young man was saying. You can go around talking about it all you want. It never, ever leads anyone to Christ. It's just it's just a bunch of vain jangling. So now, uh, before I close, you know, tell me something good or, or, or worthy of our audience to hear from what you have okay. to say. All right. But um, any, anyways, I, I did want to, it's funny you mentioned the, how um, Marxists, I, I vote I vote Republican because I believe in the, the individual um, over the, um, you know, that the government is going to do all this for you. But I will say this. Our history is not as clear cut as you think. Um, Jane, Jane Adams, who was there's people who are down the socialist line that, that did so much for this country, like Jane Adams and Forrest Keller, Kelly and, and um, Jane Adams won the Nobel Peace Prize. She, stu- she set up all those um, settlement houses. Um, they, they, her and Florence Kelly, they they supported Teddy Roosevelt, who was very anti-big um, capitalism. Um, he broke up those monopolies and everything. But they supported Teddy Roosevelt, and they got the work week down to 40 hours, which we all accept now, and got the work day down to eight hours. They got children out of the factory. And Florence Kelly, Kelly, she was a personal friend with Ingalls. They, one of them died in 1932. One of them died in 1935. I think what it is, the women, they actually become like socialists because they think this is a good thing to help people. But the men kind of wanted just power, like you were saying. That, okay, that's just, now, now that's you're good. doing a better job. But see, I, I can debate you and, and just really get at you when you make statements like somehow I'm, I'm oversimplifying things. I know what I'm saying when I'm talking about the Marxist component. I understand socialism. I understand the nuances between Marxist time and the time in which we're living. And part of the pushback on the part of what I consider people who are advocates of the social justice movement is to try to make the minuscule distinctions that uh, are occurring in our present time over against the larger framework of the Marxist agenda 
suggest that we are not dealing with Marxism. We are flat out dealing with a Marxist overall agenda of taking over the country, turning it into a state dominant uh, totalitarianism. All you got to look at is the policies and see that it has no other goal uh, but to become so top heavy as a state that everybody comes up under its control. It's happening in the education system, happening in the business system, it's happening in politics. It is textbook uh, communist manifesto. There's no doubt about it. And I know the distinction, uh, Nelson, between a socialist uh, uh, a framework of understanding how to help the society on the ground level. I agree with you that there are marked distinctions between a benevolent socialist who can operate out of a democratic framework. That is subtly different than the overall Marxist agenda. But that is also the distinct difference between Martin Luther King's uh, sentiments and where we are now. Um, he Martin Luther King, he he varied in his opinions and views about Marx. This is why I called him a soft Marxist, because he was hanging out with people who were radical Marxists. And he stopped short of that because he understood two things about Marx. He understood that Marx was godless. He understood That's that and that his dialectical materialism would mandate a kind of oppressive intrusion into the democratic process that would that would basically deny the essential reality of a benevolent sovereign God as the as the grounds upon which we could work out a democracy where everybody has uh, some kind of hope of civility and blessing. Uh, King understood that. I understand it as well. But we're not living back in the civil rights movement where we are is definitely largely beyond the uh, socialist agenda of, uh, of, 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 the, of the likes of the people whom you have just mentioned. Please understand there is a distinct difference between the socialist mindset of the past, of the 60s and 70s, uh, and the present, present rhetoric and policies of the social justice and Black Lives Matter movement. Totally different. But listen, I got to take a hard break, pay some bills, call yeah. back, let's continue unpacking this, because I don't mind talking to you about these things, but we got to parse them right, or else we're perpetuating the same Trojan horse lie that ended up destroying people in Germany and people in Italy and people in Russia. And, uh, and, and it's here on the, in France. They had to deal with it. And it's here on our shores as well. Got to take a break, pay a bunch of bills. When I come back, three lines open, one 888 Do not go to sleep. I'll be right back. 